everybody, and welcome back to Sapphic Survival Guide, where we are happy to be queer to answer your questions. I'm Gina. And I'm Cheyenne. And class is now in session. We have another guest with us today. Shari, can you please introduce yourself and tell us what you're all about? Hi, yes, I am happy to. My name is Sharmi. My pronouns are she, her. I am bisexual. I have, I've claimed bisexual baddie of the internet. Um, yes. I don't know if it's not, but I'm going to claim it. Um, and yeah, I'm a Scorpio with a Leo moon, Gemini rising. So I love to talk very loudly. And um, yeah, I'm an actor, writer, content creator, just floating around trying to survive in Los Angeles. I'm also a Gemini rising. So I love that. Yes. Yes. I love that. Before we really get started in your interview, what was the um, reality show that I had messaged you about seeing you on a while ago? There was like, oh, yeah, it was dating no filter, I think. Okay. Yeah. That checks out. Yeah. It's a a good one. Yeah. (laughs) It's a Maybe not my happiest moment, but it is the moment I was like, I need to stop dating men. This is, I need to, this is over. It's over. Like, you're literally watching that in real time. Damn. Like, I'm like, it's over. It's, I can't do it anymore. I cannot. Do it anymore. Now I have to go I back have to and rewatch it. that. So I can just like watch, you know, this right. realization come to fruition. <laughs> See the wheel I'm like, okay, okay, the whole time. And this like macho guy that's like, I'm in a friend. Da, da, da. I'm like, oh, I don't want this. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your bisexual journey, your queer journey and, you know, everything leading up to that experience on Dating No Filter? And after. And, yeah, yeah, and whatever funny. after, that's important. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll play, we'll press rewind for a second. So okay. I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called State College. Shout out. Shout out Happy Valley. Okay. I oh, live in Pennsylvania oh and gosh. State College is bigger than where I live. So really? my parents yeah. attended the cult that is Penn State University. Oh my God. So we all have this shared sort of trauma of, mm. of Pennsylvania trauma, <laughs> yeah. which is you know, super conservative, farm town, agriculture. They wore camo. <laughs> they were really mean to us. And and beyond me, they were racist. Mm. Um, and so mm-hmm. I always just never fit in with anybody. And I thought it was because I was a black girl who's like kind of loud and overly confident. I have a Leo moon and I'm just like delusionally like everyone <laughs> loves me. And so I thought everyone just didn't like me because of that. Um, which may be fair, maybe it was that, but <laughs> mostly it was like people were very racist. Mm-hmm. And um, beyond that, that second layer of like being queer, even when I would be around like other straight black people, I was like, it's just something's not fitting. I don't know what it mm-hmm. is. And so I kept thinking, oh, I'm an artist, I'm an artist. So I came out to LA and, you know, I do acting here, I do writing, I produce a bunch of stuff out here. And like, I was like, I'm just an artist. I'm just an artsy girl. Um, <laughs> and then I had very interesting experiences. <laughs> One with a roommate, uh, very interesting Ooh. experiences, like kind of navigating my sexuality. Um, and then I was like, dude, I'm totally bi. I'm in this. I have the label. We got this. I'm about to like 
be out in these streets. I'm about to just be a pro. <laughs> I'm so excited to get my back blown out. Like, yes. And then the pandemic <laughs> happened. Of uh-huh. course. I didn't get to be a hoe and I was so mad. I had to go back home to Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and it was during an election. It was during, you know, it was just, there was so much happening. There was George Floyd. There's all these things. I was mm-hmm. understanding my sexuality. It was just a very big year. I think for everybody mm-hmm. it was a big year. Um, but for me, it was just, just an era of realizing things. I was also going through my Saturn return. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's like around 28, 29. That's your like, you know, astrological, like, moment of, like, reckoning of of who you are, and everything gets just, like, basically fucked up in your life, and whatever sticks is what's gonna stick, mm-hmm. um, so lost a couple friends, um, but yeah, that's how we can, like, bring us kind of to this point where I moved back to LA, and I have been exploring since, and I'm mm-hmm. still, I'm still a little by baddie, you know, out here in these streets, <laughs> But yeah, that kind of brings us to here. I'm glad to hear that you finally were able to get out of the home and into the streets. Right. <laughs> be yes. where you I really love- need to be. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. You don't have to share, but I just was curious if you were willing to share the roommate story because that's... Oh. It's okay if now. It's fine. It's, but- it's very... You know, what's so funny is like, I didn't even think of it at the time as being something that was a part of my queer awakening. I really didn't. I was like, oh, I just really am at at, at odds with this girl. Like, I just don't like her, like for some reason, we were really close. I mean, it happened with Mm -hmm. so many of my friendships where we were just super close for like this intense period of time. And then something happened and there was like a blow up and we just stopped being friends. And it was, Mm -hmm. it was one of those things and it intensified obviously because it was a roommate but it was really confusing like extremely confusing and that's why I was like I I I gotta figure my stuff out at the time I was Mm. dating a guy and things just didn't quite click but somehow I was super angry with her um and now I know that you know usually jealousy for me as a Scorpio when I like peel back the layers I'm like okay there's something there um but that's basically that's basically it for the most part it was just like the cycle of homoerotic bestie vibes Mm -hmm. and yeah that breakup and all that stuff okay yeah that checks out I'm I'm just nosy so I had to ask (laughs) so what ultimately led you to choosing bisexual as the term because you said you were like done with cis men and obviously like If that's what fits, that what fits. But just because a lot of people who write in will ask why choose bi over pan versus queer versus whatever else. So like in your determining what label felt best, how did you kind of come upon that? Honestly, I watched a bunch of videos about people coming out and the ones that felt most resonant to me were the bisexual ones. I know that I have the capacity to fall in love with my gender and other genders. And so I'm like, I love that. I also love the bi flag. I think it's cute as fuck. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just, it just works for me. You know, I'm finding that I'm more romantically and sexually attracted to women, non-binary people, like basically non-men. But I know, I know that I have the capacity to fall in love with a man. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is what it is. But yeah, I think the discourse about bisexuality versus pansexuality is like 
the biggest hoax. It is like mm-hmm. the biggest hoax. Like if the if it fits, it fits. Like we don't mm-hmm. have to like have a whole discourse about it, think about it, talk about. It. I mean, if you want to, if you're like into that academic queer lingo thing, but I feel mm-hmm. like what it does is it distracts us from like the real cool beautiful parts of being queer which is like it's nuanced for everybody like everybody feels mm-hmm. a little bit differently in their sexuality there are shared experiences but that like discourse is so distracting like I know the internet loves it because it's like it's it's black and white thinking and the internet loves that shit and you will mm-hmm, get comments yeah. and- but it's so boring to me because it's the same points made of oh well bisexuals don't like trans people it's like you don't know history. Like you need to read a book. Mm-hmm. You you get your queer history, not from TikTok, not from mm-hmm. Instagram, but reading a book. Like look mm-hmm. at the history, look at how the term became a thing. But apparently I get very passionate about it. So <laughs> um, that's why this conversation keeps going. But I just find it very reductive and a little bit boring. Let's talk about fun stuff. Like how pansexuals are cool, bisexuals are cool, how we oh, all yeah. like- this shared weird experiences in childhood like yeah let's talk about the good stuff the meat yeah (laughs) (laughs) I love that that's literally gonna be our promo clip for the episode yeah I literally was thinking that the entire time (laughs) I was like yeah I was like (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely it's so tired (laughs) I couldn't agree more like so well said it's very 2000 and like 10 like 2015 maybe like that conversation mm-hmm. I'm just like, again again yeah yeah like it's just I'm bored on to the next <laughs> <laughs> I I, my favorite topic forever and ever is astrology so do you feel like that comes into play differently with the type of person that you're dating and like I, I always hear like obviously people who are in the sapphic or queer community I feel like we love astrology so much more than like other people but how do you like bridge queerness and astrology and all that kind of stuff I think that astrology is a language and I think that when I've seen this like on a TikTok and I just thought this girl did an amazing job of explaining like astrology really more than anything is a language and that language brings community together. And so it's almost like flagging, like the history of flagging is so cool in the queer community of gay men, like walking around with like what they were interested in, the, in their back pocket mm-hmm. and going to parks. Like, I feel like that's our 2023 version of flagging is like, Hey, I'm a Scorpio sun, but like, not just a Scorpio sun, I'm a Gemini Mm -hmm. rising moon. So my flavor of Scorpio is different. And if you get what I'm saying, you got a little, there's a little fruity in there. And like that, it's, (laughs) it's almost like safer to be like, Hey, this is my big three. Here's my Venus and my Mercury, like out at dinner with a bunch of straight people. And then you two are kind of having this conversation and it's like, that that like just below the surface subconscious sort of like oh you get me it's kind of like you know when you're black and you see another black person you're like oh we get each other we feel mm-hmm. each other you know at work and you don't want to like outwardly talk about like whatever's happening on black twitter but you're like at mm-hmm. the break room and you're like so how do you feel about venus williams you know and like it's like <laughs> those things um yeah marginalized people we have like language and it's so dope so yeah 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 have you ever dated anyone who was like 
not into astrology or like super anti-astrology because I have and I just was wondering how you have dealt with that you dated somebody that was not into astrology yes I don't want to talk about it (laughs) luckily I'm dating someone I'm dating another cancer who fucking loves astrology now so we do speak the same language yeah yeah (laughs) I love cancers um but uh I don't think I've ever dated somebody that was not into astrology I've dated people that are like what's astrology and I'm like let me teach you and they're like Mm -hmm. okay like it's like kind (laughs) of hot yeah but I I haven't dated somebody that's like fervently like astrology is not real it's it's yeah science like I I just (laughs) don't come across that I maybe it's my circle of people too um yeah you know really I feel bad that you had to go through that I mean I did it to myself if you think about it you know just uh putting myself in that situation and not running at the first red flag um which is not liking astrology but I mean she was a Gemini son so um that's all (laughs) I need to say Yeah. Okay, so I can no longer have like Gemini slander because I am fully like in gay love with a Gemini. Mm-hmm. So I can't I can't do the Gemini slander anymore. Um but I get more interesting. It. I love yeah. Gemini. So I, I'm always like trying to rally for the Geminis, but I am a Gemini rising and I'm I love Libra, Gemini so I'm, like, rising. Gemini rising. Well, I just like bring on Gemini the air rising. signs. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love that, like, they're so incredibly, like, unpredictable. Like, something about that, like, I kind of need that, but not in, like, an unhealthy way. I need it in a healthy way where it's like, well, let's go on this date and then let's go here and then let's go Mm -hmm. here and there and and then let's read this. And then I, I need, like, a lot of stimulation. My therapist is Mm -hmm. like, you need that. You're you're right. I do need that um and they're very smart but I mean the person that I'm dating is like Gemini sun but like they have a cancer rising so that's why they're a little bit more like Mm. yeah that makes sense and this is like newer or is this like serious yes it's both of those things all (laughs) at once (laughs) Are we U-hauling already or, or what's the status? Okay. okay, let's talk about U-hauling for a second. <laughs> Please. I Okay, so I will say this. I will say that I thought U-hauling was a joke and I thought it was silly and I was like, what are people talking about? I get it. I understand it. I get it. I understand it. I still don't think it's healthy. Like I don't think it's it's a very good way to catch yourself a narcissist. Like you want to catch mm-hmm. a narcissist? Mm-hmm. Um, but I know stories, everybody talks about the exception to the rule. There are stories that people like, you know, they U-hauled and then fell in love and then, you know, they're married and they're just having cute little gay babies. Like, I know that that's a thing. Everybody loves talking about the exception to the rule, but I just don't subscribe to U-hauling personally. I like having my own space. I like being in my own space. I like to be able to diffuse after a date and be like, do I actually like this person or do I just like the way they make me feel? Can Mm -hmm. I journal about this? Do I need to voice note about this? Can I call a friend? Like I like to take a second to take a step back to see, hey, is this is this like the love vibe or is this like the toxic vibe? Like mm. it just, it, for me, I don't think it's super healthy, but like go off to all the people that you haul. I know there's a, 
big community of people that do that. (laughs) (laughs) I think your process is very healthy, though. And as someone who has U-Hauled, I don't even know. I feel like at this point, I don't even consider it U-Hauling. Like, we were already dating for, like, two months when we moved in together. Like, that's not U-Hauling. U-Hauling is, like, two days. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) As I think about it. Um, I'm not Delulu about my U-Hauling. I've done some ridiculous things with people with all genders. I don't stand by all of it. It's both worked out and not worked out, but I'm not going to act like it didn't happen. (laughs) I love that. I I think it's very dependent on, you know, the people and the vibe. So like, I don't know. What do you consider U-Hauling? I think that if you haven't established a longevity in intimacy, then you probably shouldn't be living with that person. Mm-hmm. And when I say like longevity and intimacy, it's like intimacy can look like a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I think that figuring each other out, figuring out, you know, your triggers, figuring out, you know, how you, what you want in the future, there's a lot to get through. Mm-hmm. And if you really like this person, like that's, well, I think that's the cool thing about being queer is like that slow burn and being mm-hmm. okay with like, okay, maybe we take some time to figure out what are like what people's living style is like that. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't move in with a friend very quickly, mm-hmm. let alone someone like I'm like intimate with. It's a very big thing. And maybe I'm just very non-traditional. I saw somebody that had like a house and they were like, oh yeah, my boyfriend sleeps here and I sleep here. I was like, you sleep in two different rooms. That sounds so cool. Like you get a chance to diffuse. <laughs> I mean, I'm also, maybe it's avoidant attachment. I don't know, but I just think that there needs to be like space. Anyways, you hauling is like really establishing intimacy, like what that looks like. And that's not quick at all whatsoever. That takes time. Do you have an yeah. avoidant attachment? Just curious. Yeah. It's like anxious avoidant, which is funny because okay. like, dating men I was like very anxiously attached which is mm-hmm. wild because I don't really fuck with men too much and then dating women it was just like mm, I don't I want to look cool so I'm just not gonna text her and then people be like I didn't think you liked me and I was like oh okay maybe I should work on that <laughs> yeah you're like oh actually I was in love with you and you yeah have- exactly <laughs> exactly that has happened so many times but is it anxiously or is it like avoidantly attached or am I just a Scorpio like I don't know right right yeah that's the real question the Scorpio and Gemini like that's just setting you up to be like aloof and like play it cool not let people get too close do you think that there's any um overlap with zodiac signs and attachment styles like I know obviously any person can have any mixture but have you personally noticed that like a lot of Scorpios tend to be more like avoidant or anxious or I think they all have the capacity to be anything but just in a different flavor so Mm -hmm. like if you're dating like a super like unhealthy Scorpio who's like you know anxiously attached maybe that can look like paranoia but like if you're dating a super anxiously attached cancer maybe that looks like like never wanting to leave being around you all the time trying so hard to like give you gifts and be like I'm your person let me nurture you so it's just like a different version of all those things Mm -hmm. and it's like trying to get to the securely attached is like the the vibe hopefully but people I mean 
that's the thing too. It's like everything just ebbs and flows. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you might be anxious. Sometimes you might be avoidant. Sometimes you're in between. Just depends on the situation and the circumstance I'm finding. But yeah, yeah. you just dragged <laughs> sure. me so hard, by the way, with the uh, oh, attached cancer. <laughs> Not in a bad uh, way, in a good, in a good way. <laughs> but I was like, damn, that is me. <laughs> yeah. But I love, I think cancers are very sweet and they, they have a good, I was going to say they have good intentions, but not all the time. Cause some, some, some of them yeah. do not have good, <laughs> but they're very nurturing. And for me, they make inc- mm-hmm. like the most beautiful friendships I've ever had have been out of cancers. Like I, mm-hmm. I love oh. Aww, yeah. that checks out. Yeah. Yeah, level water sign. Um, okay, so pivoting back to some of our other questions for you. Do you think that there was anything unique about your queer experience that you could talk about? Ooh, I think that because I kind of exist in the space of being black, being femme, being queer, it kind mm-hmm. of puts me in this like freaky little intersection <laughs> where I'm I I go into queer spaces sometimes that are white and I really do not fit in. Like, even if it was mm-hmm. like a bi party for the bisexuals of Los Angeles, the bi femmes of LA, um, and they were all white, I just wouldn't, I, I don't know if they'd be playing like Katy Perry or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it just, there's just something that's just, I don't quite fit in. And so I think it's very unique to be like a bisexual black them like it's just very unique and it's really awesome and really cool and I am also attracted to other like bi femmes so I I think it's sexy I just think it's I think it's beautiful I think it's nuanced I think it's sexy I think we have a very specific language and there's something so sacred about it it feels like almost like holy and sacred and like some sort of weird religious way but Mm -hmm. I obviously I'm biased because I am those things but I just I just the the baddest bitch I'll ever meet is gonna be a bi black girl like every single time I'd be like (laughs) yeah Yeah. do you do interracially ever or does it does being in those spaces and not having the best experiences make you not really I will also I love that people come on our podcast and know that they can like slander white people in front of me and I'm like here for it I love that I give off that vibe without like anybody having to ask um so thank you for that trust but also I'm guessing based on your age it's too much like it's very traumatic like even the coolest white people you do have to do the educational part which I'm just exhausted by which is like okay Mm -hmm. fine I could I could if I had to do that but then I realized I didn't have to do that and I started dating black women for the first time and I was like oh my god like not only is it like you're like sexually attracted to the person you're um mentally attracted to the person it's just like a shared experience unlike anything else like this one leo that i used to date which i love leos um but this one Same. leo that i used to date she was like one of the first black women that i dated um well first of all she she's not shit so uh yeah you're not shit but um, just so you know, if you're listening to this, stop, just, so you know, it was bare. You're not <laughs> you were just the first experience. 
Anyways, um, it was like the first black woman that I dated. And I remember like driving down the 405 in LA and like blasting rap music after like going on a date to like Santa Monica Pier, which was like a really good date spot. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Like I'm, I, it was like a click moment where I was like, I have always been the one that brings the dope music, the dope food, the dope parties, the the dancing, the rhythm, clapping on beat. Like I've always been that person. And to have somebody else that does it, it's like, it's like because my mind doesn't have to worry about that, I can just feel pleasure. And it is the coolest thing. Black women, forever and always. I love them. I love them. I love you. But yeah. That's that. that's my thing. I've just had too many traumatic experiences with white people, honestly, especially with dating. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. No, totally. And I'm in an interracial relationship, and my girlfriend did not spend tons of time around white people in her life in the first like 20 years of her life, really. And ah. um, I've definitely done a lot of work, and so it's I'm not just like I don't know out here trying to be ignorant like I really am making an effort and like reading the books and she gifts me books and stuff and I just feel like even after all that just like being totally vulnerable there's still vulnerable like an insecurity sometimes where I'm like I love her so much that I'm like am I the best person for her like is she missing anything by being with me and we have other shared, like we're both living in Arizona as um, East coasters. So we have other shared like cultural things that do bond us that, you know, I would like to think that hopefully those things resonate. And I, I don't like question whether or not she loves me, but I always think like there is merit to those kinds of shared experiences that I can mm-hmm. read every book in the world and not give her. And even though I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be, that is such a beautiful thing that you just described. And so there's, there's so many coins that toss up in like interracial relationship speak, but I do think it is like what you described is so, so beautiful that I don't know, just like an interesting conversation. I don't know where I'm going with this, but those are my thoughts. On I mean, it's definitely very interesting. I mean, I will say I did a lot of like interracial, like dating, pre-dating this, <laughs> this Leo, but I just, I got to the point where I was just tired. I was just like, I mean and granted I was like also dating cis men so I feel like that was very different too Mm -hmm. um but I did try I mean I tried dating white girls it was just like it was well it's almost like once you see it you can't unsee it and noticing little things in restaurants or like little things I was like black women forever and always for me personally but I know everybody's different Mm -hmm. that was totally valid yeah. <laughs> Can I ask if you had any experience with like your partner's families being like prejudiced or racist and how you dealt with that? Because we had gotten a question from a listener about that a while back. But well, if you have any experience, yeah. For anybody that's going through that, I that is deeply heartbreaking. I have friends that are in interracial relationships and like when you marry somebody, you are marrying their family for real, mm-hmm. like for real. Um, I don't think I experienced that. The people that I dated were kind of (laughs) cool. They were really cool because their parents were really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I didn't necessarily experience that. I will say when you date white women, 
sometimes they might be cool, but their friends are not cool. Mm. And that is kind of <laughs> one of one of the more heartbreaking things because yeah. even even if you're like, oh, like I love Jessica. Jessica's dope as shit. She's doing the work, whatever, whatever, an activist group, whatever. Mm-hmm. It they might have some weird friends. So like, mm-hmm. I mean, I know, but part of I, the work I, is dropping those friends, right? Yeah, and some I people think. don't want to. Oh, this is my childhood friend. They're just like that, and it's like, mm-hmm. but I have to no, be bye, no, yeah. bye. Yeah. And it's like, why are we like how don't you see that that's like part of the issue here is that like you're just enabling them? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Because if you're not going to drop them, you do have to educate them. Like I actually had this Mm -hmm. conversation with my one uh, with my girlfriend's friend who was like, why do you guys even talk to him anymore? And I'm like, you know what? A part of me doesn't want to. And then a part of me is like, but if we don't teach him, who's going to, he's just going to be out in the world, continuing to be ignorant, offending other people. And we have an opportunity to like better him. So there's, as a white person, there's a balance of being like, I can't help you. So you got to go versus it's my duty to actually help you. But I I take that. I don't think that's like non-white people's duty. Like, white people like we got to get ourselves together that's how I feel about it I I absolutely agree I think restorative justice is like very important and like using your white community and your privilege and energy because you have probably a little bit more because you're not as oppressed like I think one of the really important things one of the most revolutionary things that black people can do is rest but yes definitely using that uh because you know teaching people is really important. I personally, I, I'm, I've, I've met my capacity at teaching a white person. Um, but yes, good. That is great for me personally. <laughs> I'm best. <laughs> yeah. 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 Also, I, I don't think like, I'm very picky. So I'm like, yes, I really have over the years exclusively dated black women, but like, you got to be in therapy. Like you got to be having your own stuff together. Mm-hmm. You've got to be reading and possibly educating yourself. I'm not about to like uh, be your educator for, there's still work that has to be done, even if you're black. But I do know for the people that have done that work, who ha- mm-hmm. have uh, been in the space of healing to be able to date, it is one of the most luxurious experiences, but it doesn't mean that just because you're a, a black woman, you I don't know, meet the criteria criteria necessarily for me. But I do love Black women, not gonna lie. Hell yeah. In the scheme of dating overall, what kind of advice would you give as a as a bi baddie? What advice would you give baby buys who are just getting into the dating world as bisexuals? Aspiring bi baddies, one might say. Yeah. Aspiring. <laughs> but I, think, um, I think the biggest thing, honestly, is don't be scared of surprising yourself. Like that's what I'm finding for myself. Like I always thought that that the person that I date needs to have a certain astrological sign, needed to look a certain way or dress a certain way or be a certain way. But like happy little accidents and like little surprises can happen all the time and really like opening yourself up to the universe I'm gonna start talking woo-woo spiritual girly but like really opening yourself up like if you're manifesting somebody and you you want to date somebody and you're like I want them to be healthy and healed and this and that and the third and then you're like oh but like 
they have to be like a certain, I don't know, they have to like dress a certain way or look a certain way. They have to be a femme or masculine or whatever. It's like, Mm -hmm. just be, it's okay to be surprised by the universe. You never know what's in store for you. So yeah, get outside your comfort zone. That's okay. (laughs) Love that advice. Can I ask what your criteria was astrologically before like what signs were you not willing to date or what signs were you like I need to date this sign um if that was was, something I was convinced that I was like gonna fall head over heels for a Leo I Mm -hmm. but I've just been burned by the Leo fire way too many times like Mm -hmm. I just I can't with Leos anymore um but I was oh they gotta be a Leo and astrologically in my birth chart my uh fifth house which is like dating, pleasure, fun. I think mm-hmm. that's ruled by Libra, but I would never, I was, there was never a chance in hell I was dating a Libra. Sorry. I love you. <laughs> no, no, it's you're okay. Hot. We're alive. You're very hot. You're very sexy. You're very mysterious, <laughs> and like hot. And like, uh, what's the word that I'm trying to look for? Like, you're very, um, very charming, charismatic. I love Leo. Mm-hmm. I'm Libra. But they're not going to, not for me. Um, understood. So that's my fifth house. And then my seventh house, which is long-term relationships, uh, contracts, so like marriage, is ruled by Sagittarius. So I was like, oh, I'm going to date a Sagittarius and like fall in love with them. And it's going to be the best thing ever. Turns out that can be interpreted like, oh, you might uh, marry somebody that's like, from another country, marry somebody that's very well read. Maybe, maybe it's like they they know a lot about religion and um, uh, kind of like scholarly ac- academic stuff. Maybe it's a professor, so it's a lot more looser. So I definitely, definitely thought I was going to marry a, a Sagittarius, but um, no, that's not that's not happening. <laughs> I also was like one of the things that I didn't want to do when I like was just like dating people is I didn't want to like have their entire chart know all their mm-hmm. things I kind of like the like the mystery of the slow burn and being like oh this person gets me lots of gifts I wonder if they have like an earth venus and like mm-hmm. finding out later I knew it I knew it you know mm-hmm. um, so I like it unfolding naturally but in terms of like signs that I wouldn't date I mean honestly all of them and none of them like I, there's reasons for all that I would be like no no mm-hmm. no but I definitely was like reaching for the fire signs for sure and got burned yeah <laughs> it happens just as one final question I know we asked about like dating advice but do you have any just overarching advice for young queer people before we wrap up yeah I think I think a lot of times people get like kind of stuck in the discourse loop, on, especially on TikTok. I think mm-hmm. that's very easy. And I feel like if I were younger, I would feel really strange because although now it feels like there's a lot more representation and like TikTok couples and um, just people like living their lives and you're like, oh, that that resonates with me. I think I would also feel a little bit weird and kind of left out because there are lots of like pockets of my life that I can find representation on, but all of them mixed together, I always feel kind of weird. So just a reminder that your queerness really does belong to you. It's like a DIY 
what fits and what doesn't fit. What fits for a friend, maybe your friend is super into being polyamorous and that's really cool and that's really valid. But if you're monogamous and that's not your vibe, that's okay. You're not less queer because of something that a relationship style like you're not more progressive because you are polyamorous you're not you know better at understanding relationships that's just a relationship style um that fits mm-hmm. certain people or if you feel like oh you know I'm weird because I don't like to drink like there are not enough sober spaces for queer people and there should be there really really should be and you know if that's you don't connect with people over drinking um I will say that cuties in LA has a lot of really cool sober events but you know, you're allowed to feel however you feel. If your version of queerness doesn't include something or include something and it's not represented in your like queer circle, that's cool. And like, that is something that makes you real bold. And it really, that's what's going to make you like the baddie. And whoever doesn't relationship wise is like questioning you or making you feel weird about it or making you question things, that's an instant red flag throw it in the trash as quickly as possible before any Mm -hmm. emotion get involved take it from me but yeah you you you're queer enough regardless so yeah oh yeah thank you this was such a great how-to on how to be a bisexual baddie so (laughs) yeah is there any plugs that you would like to say here where can our listeners find you if they're not already following you? Uh, so my first thought was tech TikTok. I'm really, I've really been in these TikTok streets lately. <laughs> um, so you can follow me on TikTok at Charmy if you dare. Um, I love Instagram. I know a lot of people are like, I'm not into Instagram anymore, but I, I love me a good Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. so I have an account called at by astro- underscore astrology. I also have a podcast that's on hiatus called Hot by Summer. We talk about buy things. And yeah, I think those are the those are the main ones. Thank you. Oh yeah. All right. And if you want to go give us a follow, we are at Sapphic Survival Guide on every social media platform except for um, the one formerly known as Twitter. That is just at Sapphic Survival. Uh, We are on Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash Sapphic Survival Guide. And you can DM us, email us any questions you might have for us at sapphicsurvivalguide at gmail.com. We also have a phone number if you want to leave us a voice message. That number is 724-209-8888. Seven seven, and obviously you found this somehow. So uh, keep listening to us wherever you get your podcasts. We would love it if you gave us a like, rate, review. All of those things would really help us out a ton. And you can find me Cheyenne at Hot Mess Band on pretty much any social media platform. And you can find me anywhere online at the Libra including my website thelibragina.com. And with that, class is now dismissed. 